right, take two. Oh boy, off to a good start. Hey, um, only eleven minutes past the start. Yeah, I, I, you, you texted me, and then you. I didn't see your text because I was busy doing my morning puzzles. And then you texted me immediately after question mark. And I'm wondering, was that question mark just because you were laying in bed hoping I didn't follow up so you could go back to sleep? (laughs) Well, as soon as you said you were ready, then I'm like, all right, I guess I'll start my day. Yep, yep. Well, look, man, it's not my fault. You're freaking busy every freaking night. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, that's what happens when you're at our age, although right now we're not the same age. Right, forever that's young. That's going to be. Um, you're forever young. I'm uh, 10 steps closer to the grave. Yep. And these are things you think about. You got you to gotta go out there. You got to take that life, and you, you got to get some of that living. Not that you're not, Josh. But the listeners, oh, you are. Ugh, ugh. Um, and I was, I was thinking about, I was thinking about going on a bit of a, a tangent and explaining the, the difference between listeners and fans. Fans kicks rocks, twenty twenty three. And then I was like, well, my the fans don't deserve that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting that amount of effort. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not the listeners kick rocks. It's the fans. It is the fans kick rocks. To be fair. Now, are there shows that you listen to not as a fan, but you just listen? Like, how many people do you think just hate listen to Po Boys? They're like, their takes suck, but I need to listen so I can like bash their takes. Well, I mean, it could just be that the the production value of our show and the awful tones of our voices are like just just the right white noise for someone to uh, have their eyes roll in the back of their head and forget about time for a while while they're at work. You know, there could be other reasons. Also, you know, it's not just work that people listen to pods, right? You know, this could be. Something that they hate listen to as they're driving so that they, you know, make sure that they uh, put the pedal to the metal to try and drive and run away from our pod. Yeah, or or let's not discount this in this day and age with me watching two shows on one day. Could just be somebody out there listening to this because it has to do with Star Wars. And that's all it took to get them to engage with this content. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That is definitely true. Looks like I got a Pop here who's uh, freaking out a little bit. Yeah, we're going to go. We're going to go. Hot take. Yeah, so, so there's a Pop. I think he thinks of fans out here. Hey, Pop. All right? <laughs> Pop. No, thank you. All right? The fans aren't there. Actually, let's lock the door to make sure that these fans don't come in that to the super be, secret recording. That would be a very All right, good I, idea. I, I, did, I did not lock my... Uh, no, it's locked. It's locked. It's locked. All right. This is because we got a recorded session. Pop up. Pop up. Opposite direction of where you need to go. Pop up. Pop up. Go. Pop up. Pop up. Let's go. Come on, Pop up. Wow. Pop up has a lot of energy. This is great podcasting. Hey, could be worse. 
<laughs> that's true. Unfortunately, that's true. Now, last week, we talked about the fact that it was going to be the last week where we were only going to be covering one show per episode for a while. Right. And we were getting ready to talk about how we were going to handle that. And then Pete generously reminded me, the fans don't deserve that. They do not. The fans don't deserve our effort. The fans don't deserve us coordinating how we're going to handle talking about the season premiere of Mandalorian and the 11th episode of season two of Bad Batch. And we have stayed entirely true to that sentiment and have not discussed our way forward at all. We haven't even, we haven't even discussed the episodes. We never do. Now, yeah, well, not even a, like a, a, a time. You know what I mean? Like, well, you texted me, buckle up, oh, which is well, that... a broken rule. But then yeah. now I'm like, buckle up. I don't know. I feel like maybe we didn't watch the same episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting because I... I, I saw two, I got two reactions before I actually watched it. You texted me, buckle up. And then a website I frequent more for music stuff. But that has now unfortunately gotten into movies and other things. And just like, I don't come here for that, but whatever. Um, had a headline about like, oh, the Mandalorian may have entered its like slump phase or whatever. So those were uh... the two, those were the two reactions I had encountered before watching the episode Wednesday night. Well, I told you about the article, which I, I felt bad because I didn't even think it was really a spoiler. I'm sure but... it wasn't. <laughs> oh. But I didn't want uh, to I didn't I didn't feel like engaging with Mandalorian before that. <laughs> okay. You uh, said me an article I... about the time period or how much time has passed. It was some interview that was like actually Grogu and Luke trained for two years, and I was—I was like, "What? Actually, that's really that makes no zero. That makes no, zero not, narrative no. sense. That's not. Yeah. That's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely now, not. <laughs> now, after you know, it's it's clickbait, right? Like you know, you want to like look at it and you want to start raging, and um, I haven't watched the full thing, so I'm not really doing a service to the conversation. But a lot of the Star Wars tweets that were about it were like, taken out of context, taken out of context, blah, blah, blah. It's not actually that. Mm. So Really making me miss Star Wars Twitter. Well, I actually had a tweet that was sent from our account. And um, I, was, I was a little worried about it. And uh, it's not gotten any traction. But it hasn't gotten hate, so that's the positive thing. Because mm. I sent I sent out a tweet to share our opinion on a uh, Cara Dune. Um, our opinion. And, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Interesting. I don't remember you checking in with me about this. Okay. And what was the tweet? Um, you want to get you want to get into Mando already? I want to know what tweet you sent out on my behalf. All right. Here, let me pull it up. This is podcasting. It's the podcast the fans deserve. <laughs> like how we're at 99 followers. Oh, wow. <laughs> how did that happen? Um, 
Remember, I had a bunch of bots. That... Oh God, <laughs> the things I saw um, on Twitter. Okay. From what you let follow us. Ugh. Here's here's what I here's what I posted. Hey, and um, this is spoilers for uh, Mandalorian season three, episode one, apostate. Hey, New Republic Spec Ops seems like a heck of a promo a promo for Cara Dune. That was that. <laughs> Interesting, interesting. Because I didn't want to, I didn't want to, you know, I, I, don't, I don't hate Gina Carano. I don't like, I, I'm not all up in arms that she's no longer part of Star Wars. Um, we'll get into. Well, let's let's get into how they wrote her out. Well, let's. Um, yeah, I mean, let's already just go right in. We don't, you don't have a plan, but yeah, because I, I mean, that was always such a, um. Uh, like a sad situation, I think, for a certain sect of the fandom, because it seemed like that character really resonated with some fans, and there's definitely, like, it's a cool costume. You can imagine a lot of people were probably jazzed to dress up like Cara Dune, but then all that went down between Star Wars celebrations. (laughs) Like, one Star Wars celebration, that show is being announced, and they're showing the first footage, and then by the time, you know, fans of that character finally have the opportunity to to display that at the next celebration, all this other stuff has happened and Gina Carano's gone and that character's not gonna be around anymore. But I, I thought that there was a it was a graceful way of handling it because I mean, I don't know, you got little kids that watched the show, they had no idea about the world outside of it, and that's just like a character they like and stuff like that. So I I thought it was handled well. Well, it's also a morphing of different communities, right? Like, it's not a monolith. It's, you know, no. you and I are Star Wars fans, but... Sometimes. You know, you, you're you part of fan bases that I'm not More a part of. More of a Spider-Man of. guy I'm, now. I'm, I'm part of fan bases that you're not a part of. So, you know, that was, that was like, you know, the MMA um, fan base. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that connected with her, for sure. I... I think that's about as polite as they could have done it. You know, they didn't be like, oh, you didn't hear? Yeah, she died. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> it was real bad. There was a Jawa uprising. Oh, yeah. It was It was like a bloodbath. And then her family was there, too. Oh, oh, it was bad. And to say, to say nothing of the way they wrote her out feels like a logical step for that character. Oh yeah, too, because she was part. She was part. She was a special ops trooper, um, shock trooper. That's what she was. Mm-hmm. Because she had the tattoos for being a shock trooper. Now we have not seen special forces in the New Republic era, but we just did see clone special forces and Bad Batch. Oh, you're jumping around way too much. Oh, yeah. oh my god. Clone commandos, baby. Now, is that the Republic commandos, my mistake. Republic commandos. Now, are those the death troopers? Like do you think that that's going to tra- you know, Oh my gosh. All right, we're it we're jumping be. around way too Why much. Why are you punishing us for this? Just let it flow, my guy. Just let it flow. <laughs> All right. Oh, this is the metamorphosis of what we're doing. Yes, A plus title, 
I was I was very skeptical about that episode of Bad Batch getting an A because it was called Metamorphosis, and I was like, this is gonna be some sort of metaphorical metamorphosis or something. No, there was it was you see it on screen a metamorphosis. It was great, A plus. Uh, back to Cara Dune, like we were saying. Back to Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, so I thought it was I thought it was a polite way of them writing writing her out. Um, it's about as good as you can you can get. It does not foreclose the possibility of her coming back, but yeah, uh, yeah. L- life and logic dictates um, that she won't be coming back. Maybe but. I don't know. I think it is also that we're discussing this, and it's like a line of dialogue that is meant to set up or you know clear the table or whatever is very indicative of this whole episode. Because that's mm-hmm. pretty much a lot of what this episode is, is like set up, like a lot of setup. Oh, it's a state, it's a state of the, it's a state of the show. Which is fine, but I didn't, it did not, it was not gripping or interesting to me, really. Uh... Like, I guess I kind of just like already knew that all of this was going to be happening based on what happened in Book of Boba Fett. Like, they're like, you got to go to this planet, you got to do this weirdo thing. I mean, I mean, I, but I mean, then I guess even in the recap, they don't, they don't show anything from Book of Boba Fett with him reuniting with Grogu and stuff. I don't know. It's very strange. But I, this... I'll be honest, I didn't, I, I skipped the preview. Is, uh, I ordinarily would, but it's been a while, and you know it feels like an event. You kind of want to savor it, and you know turn the lights off, and no, 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 I, I, we're I ready get to, it. But... I get it for sure, but I, I just didn't have time for it, and it mm. definitely makes sense to like watch the recap for any listener because a, a big stuff like if you only are a Mando guy, you only or Mando boy or girl, you only watch Mando, you're like, all right, season three, how how does Grogu get found, blah blah blah, and then you watch and you're like, uh, "Excuse me, what?" Yeah, <laughs> Grogu's there. Uh, and... Well, and again, nothing in the recap goes over that. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in the recap to explain the reunion. Yeah, there. Oh, really? Okay. Nothing. They show stuff from Book of Boba Fett about him being an apostate and all that nonsense, but they don't show anything in the recap about him and Grogu being reunited. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's not a terrible assumption for people to be like if you watch this show, you probably watch Bo- Book of Boba Fett, and you know they would have the numbers for that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I was this episode because so I woke up, had to go to work, so I watched Bad Batch in the morning, and then I waited to watch Mandalorian that night with Miss Columbo, and. I was very struck, like, this week's episode of Bad Batch, like many episodes of Bad Batch, felt impressively cinematic for a half hour of animation. I mean, it felt like a movie in scope and in the ground it covered and the character beats it covered. It it felt uh, momentous or, I don't know, you know, larger than the, the sum of its parts. And it felt like very cinematic storytelling. And watching this episode of Mandalorian, I'm like, what? kind of is this and I, I felt myself like trying to analyze it as it was happening because i just felt 
confused about it a little or it wasn't what I was anticipating finally kind of dawned on me that like where the Bad Batch this week felt very cinematic, Mandalorian this week felt very much like booting up a video game you maybe already beat and just like exploring the world and going to talk to NPCs for side That's a really good way of describing it. Yeah. it, it, It hit a bunch of different spots where it's like throw there's like monster hunter right and yeah. um that's that's one of my least favorite parts about the show is like exotic animals and let's murder all of them um and then sometimes it's like i don't even want to see these animals again like the spider the spider monsters and i am but, gonna reheat my coffee so there's gonna be some noise go for it okay and so with the with the apostate like you know there's that opening scene which i when I first watched it, I'm like, are we getting another flashback? And then as we're watching it, right. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, what producer's son is <laughs> is on this? And, I mean, he's a kid, so I'm not going to hate on him more than that. But, um, you know, the future is not bright for uh, this cult of the Mandalorians. And so, you know, I'm thinking that it's a flashback and this is, you know. Yeah, Mrs. Cuomo uh, thought the same. I couldn't, I was, I just kept being like, they, that's armor looks pretty much exactly the same this doesn't feel i i was i slowly kind of became of the opinion that it wasn't a flashback but it does it was definitely set up to elicit that i think because i think you you know you joke with producer center but i think they specifically cast for someone that you could be like oh that could be a young pedro yeah for sure and and granted we we've we've seen young pedro right like he is. He has been introduced before. Oh, that's true. Younger, I guess, because it's yeah, like when yeah, he first yeah. is rescued. Yeah. yeah. So like he's been introduced. Now, granted, you know Disney, we're on our third iteration of Ant Man's daughter. Oh my so gosh! Tell me about means, it. That means my hilarious letterbox review. Next Ant Man, she's going to be older than Ant Man. That's great. Hey, I worked in um, Interstellar, so. Uh, <laughs> point good point you know very powerful scene what do find you... her find her i've already i've already lived a life find her she's <laughs> what... out there she's out there waiting for you with your this with your little tablet her big giant tablet robot uh what did you think of the opening as an action set piece um it was fine i mean that's right I... that's sort of how i feel <laughs> yeah like I don't know what that I don't know what that um crocodile monster is. I liked seems... the monster okay, but it just felt like I... it came out of nowhere. They had it seemed room to retreat away from the water. Like it didn't seem like they needed to fight it, I guess unless maybe they were holding it back for the people to escape, but it, I don't know. Like on paper 10 years ago, or I guess more than that ago, since we've been spoiled by Clone Wars and things like that, but like, yeah, it's going to be a bunch of Mandalorians and they're fighting like a crocodile turtle. It's like, whoa. And like last year for the premiere, you know, we had um, Jinga Jumanji and, and Mr. Marshall both in armor flying around shooting at the Kray Dragon. And that was insane. I was losing oh, it over that. Yeah. And then this yeah, is yeah. one of those things where it's like, yeah, more does just not equal better and context is important because it it didn't grab me at all. Well, in that episode where, you know, they're hunting the Kray Dragon, like, 
one of the scenes, like when he's using his rocket launcher, um, or sorry, his jetpack, it, it's like an iconic scene in the show. Like when they show Disney ads, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's what that's what they're showing. And yeah. um, you know, now now they're showing the Naboo starfighter, which granted, of the like most impressive parts of this episode, the asteroid belt scene, fantastic. I Bye-bye. mean. Just so good. Yeah, and, I was I was really impressed. And it's one of the few um, parts of it where I was like recognizing the score too. Um, so the score, I I don't know if you noticed this, but oh, um, I've noticed a few things. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ludwig Gordonson is no longer themes uh, by. Doing, yeah, themes by, and then jo- Joseph Shirley, who did Book of Boba Fett, he is right. the new guy. Not just Book of Boba Fett, of course, because so Ludwig Gornson, he's done a lot of stuff. I don't know all of Ludwig Gornson's work, but I, you know, if I see, he's, I'm watching a movie and I see his name, I'm excited for sure. And he's a collaborator with Ryan Coogler. He did the score for Wakanda Forever, which I thought was incredible. And he obviously he won the Academy Award for his score for the first Black Panther. But before that, you know, he works with Ryan Coogler regularly. So he did the score for Creed, which is mm-hmm. a really good one. Um, and he did the score for Creed 2. And so I go to Creed 3, opening yeah. night. I've never been more excited for a movie in a very long time. Jonathan Major's really? world. Jonathan Major's world. We're all just living in it. I said it before, right. I'll say it again. Damien, oh my goodness. Uh, I'm loving it. Me and I go with Ms. Colombo and some of our friends have a great time. Great time at the movies. But I am watching this movie and I'm listening to the score and I'm saying to myself, that is not Louis Gornson. That's, this, this is not Louis Gornson. You got a good ear. Themes by Louis Gornson. Score by this guy, Joseph Curley. Yeah, I saw that. Like, yeah, I guess is, um, like I said, he did Book of Boba Fett. And now he's kind of taking over uh here i guess sort of extrapolating on um some themes by louis gordon which is a trend happening right now in disney for uh love and thunder same sort of thing michael giacchino who has done the score for like jurassic world and the first doctor strange movie the spider-man movies he did the themes he did lost for four right yeah lost he did the themes for Love and Thunder, but another composer is credited with like the score or whatever, uh, and it is sort of. I mean, it's 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 a, <laughs> it's not the same thing by a long shot, right? But it is one of those things where it's like, well, how about instead of like putting all this work into trying to keep a young Luke Skywalker alive, like just give it to a different composer? Maybe I don't know. Like, instead I, of I, just themes by Ludwig and then having this guy extrapolate it. I mean, and granted, the score is such an important part of The Mandalorian. I mean, his his aesthetic that he introduced with that first episode of this show is, like, I, I mean, some of the most vital Star Wars music, I think. I mean, obviously, John Williams is the end-all, be-all, but more so than Giacchino's score on Rogue One, or the score to sort of a Star Wars story, or even I think you know I love Kevin Kiner's work in animation, and his scores are incredible. But they are like like Gorenson really just like this is a new style, this is a new sound, this is defining. Like I don't think of the Star Wars animation as being defined by the music. 
but the music well, in Mandalorian goes so far towards defining what it is. So it is, I mean, it's a pretty vital element to be tinkering with. Well, anybody that can make a recorder be cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, what a like flack. Just, like, that, that's, that's the thing he added. He's like, hey, remember that thing that fourth graders have to do that everybody sucks at? Like, yeah. Imagine, like, they have in the Disney Plus, or like the Disney Gallery Mandalorian, they talk about. Like uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau hearing Gorenson's theme for the first time, oh wow, wow, wow! But like, I feel like they're maybe embellishing, and the reality of it is, this very hip, long-haired guy comes in, and they're like, "All right, what you got? It's Star Wars. What you got?" And he just sings like, "Well, it'll probably be like, ooh, 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 ooh," <laughs> you know, like that. And they're like, "No, no, no!" And he's like, "Wait, wait, wait!" And then after that, it goes, "Ooh, ooh, ooh." Here's what I imagine is. I, I don't know if you remember your um, elementary school music teacher, but I remember mine. And I just imagine, like, you know, there's a bunch of elementary teachers who are Star Wars fans, and then they're listening, and they're like, oh, no, yeah. Way. Yeah. no way. No <laughs> way. This is no going way. to make recorders so much more interesting. Music's but then, back, baby. But then it's no also, way. like, a year or two after. It's very much like I have heard so many inept versions of that song being played on a recorder. I can't stand to listen to it anymore. Like I went, uh, I went looking at pianos yesterday. Okay. We'll see. I don't know, but I went to like they're expensive. Yeah, yeah. I was looking at used ones, and you know, it's just something I you know research for the future, I guess. But I'm like, yeah, this is a piano store. And I would go to store after store. And my teacher was like, yeah, pick like two songs and then play them on each piano. You play, you know, one more lyrical, one more tango. And I'm sitting there playing and I'm just like, how many times has this poor salesperson heard somebody play this song even better than me and still bad? <laughs> Very <laughs> self-conscious about it. But yeah, you, you guys, I can't imagine the amount of off-key or like wrong-noted versions of the Mandalorian theme that uh, music teachers have heard in the past three years. Oh my gosh! So the little boy's name, his name is Ragnar. Ugh, of course it is. Oh, what man. a name for okay, weak for names because okay, Ragnar. All right. We have Ragnar, but we ha- Royce. Oh, you wanna... Royce Hemlock. Royce Hemlock. Where's Royce Hemlock? Bad Batch. <laughs> Royce Hemlock. The new bad oh. guy, Doctor Royce Roy- Hemlock. Yeah. Yeah, it's also, I was thinking about this with that, with that episode of, you know, Royce Hemlock, whose name I, I forgot as soon as I heard it. It's like, it's <laughs> oh, been I rolled such, my eyes big at Dr. Hemlock. It's, it's been such a long time, namaste. Oh, look at what they've done to you. And she's like, oh, you man. wiped out my civilization. Yeah. Why would I help you? Also, you're setting up for episode nine. Nobody wants this. Nobody oh, wants. That's a good point. Yeah. This is this is the perfect. Well, nobody perfect wants it, but we need it. <laughs> <laughs> this is like this is episode nine uh, material. Mm-hmm. Go go back to Mandalorian and set up for Ahsoka. Yeah. All right. <laughs> like that. That's 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 more that's more uh, more the, the speed of the po' boys. Not oh, let's talk about the cloning that's eventually going to get to Palpatine being cloned. Um. Yeah, that villain. 
I mean, he sucks. You want him to you want him to go go night night. Well, here's the thing. Okay, he. It's the difference between last week on Bad Batch. I was talking about like there's this weird thin line between villains you love to hate and villains you just hate. And last week I just hated the villain. He's just like cartoonish, ugly, awful antagonist, and felt like just the first draft version of like a bad guy from a Charles Dickens novel or something. Whereas this Hemlock guy, like, I do not like that character, but the performance was very good because I, I had a, it took me a, an embarrassing amount of time as much as I'm trying to flex and be like, I knew it wasn't a flashback in the beginning of the Mandalorian. It took me an embarrassing amount of time to understand in Bad Batch that like, Oh, this is the new bad guy because they're, they shot the character in certain ways and they present the character with like this air of impact and profundity, like this guy's a big deal. And so I think I wasn't picking up that he was the new bad guy so much as I was just like, is this like Michael Fassbender or something? And I no. kept thinking like, did they get like a big damn actor to play this character? Is that why they're really, no, it's just the new bad guy dummy, but it's, it's the guy from always sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, is it? It's no. one of the McPoyle brothers. All right, I Jimmy, don't. I have not. Jimmy Simpson, I think, or Smiths, or Jimmy Simpson. You'll you'll recognize him. A character actor of note for sure. He was in okay. Date Night. He was in Zodiac. Hit a bit part oh! at the end of Zodiac. Oh, very recognizable. I, I, so I recognize him. He was in a bunch of Psych episodes. Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah he. Interesting. I thought um, he's performing. I mean, again, we talk about there's some actors who come in and do voice acting, and it, you know, the 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 voice and the animation just don't seem to sync up for some reason. But I thought he did a great job. His voice. It was one of those things though, where his voice was like. I mean, I really, I thought it sounded to me like Michael Fassbender playing Steve Jobs. Like he he had that sort of because I think he's an American actor, but it, his voice in this sort of sounded like. You know, Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange, sort of like overly enunciated or something like English accent did person doing an American accent or something. There was just uh, some, something to the to the tenor of his voice that rang that way for me. But I, I mean, well, that scene you're talking about, Lama saying, like, oh, look what happened. You know, he, he brings something very detestable to that character that I really appreciated in the performance. Well. And he's he's one of those people similar to that um, clone assassin, where like he sipped the Kool Aid way too long. So like with him, like mm-hmm. he 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 was okay with um, mayhem and genocide way before it was it was found cool mm-hmm. by everybody else. Like um, but no, I I agree with you. I I I know that guy's voice for sure. And uh, like Sid is an a- an actor. Um, Rhea Rhea Perlman, like, yeah, you're like, oh, that's her. That's why they brought her. Great character. Um, but yeah, that that was pretty good. Well, th- we're hinting at Sid being gone. Hinting um, at. Hinting yeah. at, yeah. And um, well, let's 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 skip to the end of Bad Batch, where um, unfortunately, we're now um, moving the plot line of why they're after Omega again. Because it looked like like Omega was completely safe for right, a while. Right. Like she was just living her life, um, and she was just part of a crew that did dangerous things. And they're like, "No, Wamase or Wamasu, Wamasu? I don't know. 
Um, that's the only thing she cares about because, again, you wiped out her civilization. So yeah. she's not too keen to allow you to have a plot line for episode nine. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um... Which sucks. I um, I was not... I was a fan of them just forgetting Omega existed as a plot line and just letting her be kind of the moral compass, the POV for us in these different circumstances. Like just having a kid survive in an environment was compelling enough for me, not right. this whole. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that just, I think that once again speaks to just how captivating a character Omega is and how good a job they're doing with that character because. To us as viewers, Omega being hunted by the Empire means higher stakes. It means like potential for big action and big drama and edge of your seat. But like Omega is such a an enjoyable character that I'm also like that's okay. I don't I don't need that. Smaller snakes, no stakes, no stakes for Omega. Yeah, you, I'm like you leave Omega alone. I just want to watch Omega <laughs> sit and enjoy some peace and quiet and read a nice book and have fun. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like you're you're putting her into situations where, like, when she realizes that all of them are dead and they got eaten alive. Like, oh yeah, yeah, great, um, great animation and performance with that beat because it it is simultaneously like a sort of small comedic beat. Like, there's a bit of comedy to it, but there's also like genuine fear there as well. Because mm-hmm. this was a frightening episode, I would imagine for. For young folk, I mean, those teeth, teeth were looking pretty sharp and dark and there's, you know, creepy lighting and atmosphere. Well, it's also, these these people are, like, we know the end story, we know the beat lines and stuff. They're the ones with the expertise that are understanding what the hell is happening, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, Omega's like, this is Kaminoan tech. I haven't seen this. Yeah. There are rumors of these projects. And... Hunter, you know, at the very end of the episodes, like send send this to Rex and Echo. See see what Echo we Boys. get. Yeah, Echo Boys. Still um, valid name. <laughs> still makes sense. Yeah. So again, I'm not on Star Wars Twitter. Um, I did end up having a discussion about this episode with a buddy of mine from work that that watches Bad Batch as well, who's one of the only other people I know that watches Bad Batch. He didn't. This seemed news to him. So I'm assuming Star's Twitter is already blowing up about this. But on the off chance, in either way, but like, let me look at my notes here. Yeah, so this Emery Carr character, like Royce's right-hand person, like that's definitely mm-hmm. like a grown-up Omega. Wait, what? That's like a female clone, surely. Oh, didn't, Bone structure, uh, face structure, coming from Camino with this doctor, or well, maybe not from Camino. So anyway, that seemed pretty clear to me very quickly, right? Not sure though. No one else is talking about it, but like the the voice actress, Keisha Castle Hughes, Australian-born New Zealand actress. Okay. I don't know, man. I think we're gonna find that that uh, Emery Carr is a clone as well. Okay. Um, so she, the do- like, if you look at her, because all the the character models for all the clones are, you know, they've they've gone pretty far afield from like Rex and Echo with the Bad Batch. Like, 
there's some similar bone structure. And like, if you look at the character model for kid Boba Fett and Clone Wars, is is pretty similar to Omega and the face and stuff. Um, and there's like looking at Cog because she's got you know hair pulled back and she has a visor or something to sort of I think throw off the silhouette. But like, you can kind of look and be like, there's like a there's like a tech kind of vibe to her face like you can you can extrapolate for sure i think i, th- I think that that is a character that is now, a d- now do you think both of them are like i don't think so because they were i mean different voice actors there's i don't one, remember the name of the other character there's dr scalder and emery carr oh my gosh these names dr what now scalder is scalder. um okay. On the planet on Mount Tantus, and on the planet Wayland. That's supposed to be like the Exiles protagonists mashed together, I guess. Um, Calling him Mulder. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. Um, I think I remember we've talked about how is it is it Bad Batch or uh, or uh, Mandalorian where we think they just play charades where they just have like a a bowl of topics and then they're like, all right, what are we doing this time? All right. Uh, Monster Hunter, okay, we need a monster. Monster, okay, okay, okay. Um, crocodile monster. Um, we don't have one. There's no, we don't have one. Oh, uh, we'll make, it, make up. it up. Make, we'll make it up. And how does it die? Uh, uh, Naboo Starfighter. Gotta make sure that everybody knows that John Favreau is still in the show, though. So he needs yeah, to. Yeah. He needs to be like, hey, I'm still alive. Yeah. By the way, I'm a Vizsla. By the way, that was a thing. Um, that people cared about. Boy, did but... I care about that in such a huge way before. Um... Let's, let's going back to that opening sequence as well. If you go back and listen to the first episode of Pedro Boys from 2019, uh, I was I was pretty immediately like chafed at the whole "this is the way" of it all because, like, as soon as they started saying it, I was like, "Oh, this is like a T-shirt. They're like making a T-shirt. This is like a thing they're gonna put on a bunch of merchandise." I guess "this is the way" made me feel like maybe some Star Wars fans in the '80s felt about Ewoks or something, where I was immediately very uh, jaded and biased about it. Right, and that sort of is continuing with every. Uh, seemingly arbitrary rule that they introduce into this cult. I mean, I guess maybe that's part of it. Like, the I don't know, just like, well, it says you gotta go into the basement, swim around in the water, you little goober, and then you can come back, and you're an apostate. I'm like, what is this, John Wick? Why are we using this language? Um, I actually they, love it because I, I really like how, and I, I hope that they show, like, a reason past, you know, him being saved, why he wants to come back. Right. But him, 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 like, ex- you know, acknowledging that he's naive, but all at the same time being like, I don't care. Because there's two, there's two parts where, you know, he uses his street smarts in the episode. So there's like the one where he's negotiating with, um, was it Gorian Shard or whatever? Um, where they're like, hey, just give yourself up and, you'll be completely fine. And he's like, kid, never trust pirates. And then punches it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other one is when he, like, goes to that uh, Mandalorian castle. And she's like, yeah, it's all glass. And, um, 
like you're not gonna be able to do it but at the same time is like also like i forget what the thing was but he was like which is it is it a cult is, is it glass or is it not glass i, I i'm trying to remember it yeah uh, but there's this, <laughs> no there's there's this great line you. where there's this great line where you know she's like saying two different things and he's like you gotta pick a lane like either i'm a psychopath cult or like i can do this and i'm, I'm oh, capable mm. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, he, he is at this point, you know, he now realizes that there's a bigger world and he, he knows, he knows what his cult is and he's, he has no, um, jaded eyes for the whole situation. He just wants to yeah. be accepted again. Which like, I, there's, you know, if you're like a young person in college and you decide to be obnoxious and argue with people about their religious beliefs and be like, don't, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't add up, whatever, you know. I'm sure maybe we've all come across folks who are are uh, confident enough in their faith that they will just be like, yeah, I know it doesn't make sense and it doesn't work for you, but works for me. And it could, you know, very well be that sort of situation where it doesn't matter that he's in a cult or that this cult is like extremists or that they have these weird beliefs that don't necessarily add up because it's just, you know, the way of life he knows and it's a way of life that works for him but is every every time though that some new rule is introduced it just always feels very like a wikipedia page is being presented to me or something like it always they never they never quite maybe it's just the the exposition of it all it always comes off as very like yeah i don't know like i'm reading a summary or i'm reading bylaws or something it's very uh like unnatural or inorganic sounding or feeling whenever they come up but then that also could speak to just again like it is a cult and we're all like why are these people in this cult or whatever why are these people part of part of this if i mean just for the cool armor to wear a helmet the rest of your life but it could speak to well you know, these are these are people who are otherwise lost or you know have come from all different sort of backgrounds and this creed works for them and this creed allows them to live a life that they can find purpose in and stuff. And so to me, I'm like, that's very dumb. But to them, it's like, no, this is how I wake up in the morning. And yeah. Yeah. I, um, I don't really have anything to add to that. But like who, who wrote who? Okay. So some, some jabroni is just like, well, can't take off your helmet, but if you do take off your helmet, you gotta go into the waters. You gotta go under a planet, swim around. And then oh, you're Johnny okay. Johnny F, a hundred percent. But in universe, yeah. in universe, right? Like it just seems that just sound, it just sounds goofy. I don't. I mean, I guess well, it's, you know it's fantasy. I get it, but well, I'm getting also, I get hung up on it. Well, pick a cult and be like, try pick any any real life cult and be like, does this all of this make sense? Right. No, you're exactly right. And then you're fast exactly forward right. to you being a Scientologist in like a month. But <laughs> great. <laughs> like, now we're my like, podcast is definitely going to be ruined. Yeah. Uh, good luck uh, coming after us, Scientologists. Oh, so what are you doing? I uh, let, let's talk about the pirates. We got um, Gorian Gorian Shard. Oh um, yeah, Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing, um, voiced by. Nonzo uh, and and Nozi, Nonzo and Nozi, who um, I'm trying to think of what you would have seen him in. He he has a very um, he has a very like cool Netflix show. 
called Sweet Tooth. Um, he was oh, okay, in based Sweet on a Jeff Lemire comic. Yeah, he was on Zoo, he was on Zoo. He was in Zoo, which ran for like three four seasons. Um, he's been in quite a few things. He's great. I I'm a huge fan. Um, I believe you, I thought... but I'm also like I'm gonna have to see this freaking pirate again, aren't I? Yeah, I actually thought I rolled my eyes when I first saw him, and I'm like, oh, cool. So the den gear, like at some point, <laughs> like no longer eat people or something, or yeah. maybe maybe he's doing that just to eat people. Um, but it did. I the one thing I liked the the pirate, all the pirate stuff was great. Like that hmm. interaction. I didn't with, care for um, the standoff on on Navarro. Yeah, whatever. I liked I mean, how it, it resolved, and I liked Grief Carga kind of like proving himself. But that character, that character was a character I hated to hate. That little pirate underling guy, I hated to hate him. He's just annoying. I was like, get him out of here. I don't want to spend any more time with this person. <laughs> well, I just like the scope of everything because, like, you know, he's trying to get him to uh, be the um, what is it? The the not warden. The not the oh, ranger, sheriff or ranger, yeah, ranger, yeah, ranger, yeah, he, ranger. He, ha- deputy, who knows? Try to be his ranger, the right? And, like, and Navarro's this like um place. There's mining. It's super super nice. Which you know, if it, it, it'd be really cool if it's the same set pieces and they've just like changed it. Which you know, you don't know if that's the the um um volume or not. Like right. if they actually created that stuff. But it doesn't matter either way. But as soon as you, you know, Creep Cargo, like, pushes this, like, look at all these great, great, great things. And then, like, there's this battle cruiser in the asteroid belt. So you know that he's screwed later yeah, on. that's a good point. And, that's a good point. And it's really, it's really cool to think about that, too, of, like, well, he dodged a bullet not having to, you know, have to deal with this because there's this, you know, star cruiser, very, very cool ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know we're seeing different people having different ships, like the Mandalorian people that abandoned um, Bo-Katan. Like they have the ship from last season, mm-hmm. and you know there there's like there's that um, pirate ship, which is I I just I found to be very cool and really good cool to describe the scope. Like we're we're gonna probably be back on Navarro to save. Brief Carga. Yeah, we will. We will. Chaz potential. Which, yeah. 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 Well, and that asteroid. So, did you notice the music during the asteroid scene? I, I was more paying attention to the style of it than the substance of it. Like, there's sort of a pulsating beat underneath it, not dissimilar to the music we had in Tex Race earlier in Bad Batch. I mean, very different in its content but again like rhythmically that sort of boom 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 you know but i didn't i didn't catch any callbacks or anything well i i caught um there's like two scores in the asteroid scene from um empire strikes back Mm. and uh i definitely got some hints of that for sure which was really cool because that's for me like you know a lot of people are like the imperial march is the thing you think about from empire strikes um, unless it is in A New Hope, which that's just no, it's me. Imper- I know exactly the music cue uh, you're talking about. Ms. Clover yeah. is also a big fan of that particular moment in the score. 
but um the 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 two asteroid scenes like the chase and then um them like getting out of the slug monster mm-hmm. um big 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 fan so i i i loved all all of that stuff it is interesting um how great of a pilot it's either he's really good or they suck and i can i can believe they suck as pilots um and i can believe he he's, to... he's good and then i think his ship is great mm-hmm. i think is maybe a little of what's going on because also like this is a guy who's had to maneuver for his life previously in like a, a basically a minivan of a ship right and now he's got a sports car you know so it, but yeah that him like coming into and out of hiding and swooping in and taking them out one by one was very cool so let's let's get into our um, hints at Ahsoka. Oh, so, oh, hints plural, you say? Um, I mean, insofar as there's like multiple purgles, I guess. Okay, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> I was like, oh, purgle. Miss Columbus, like, what are you talking about? Never mind. <laughs> oh, is that how that went? Purgle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I screamed. I cried. I cried. I, I filmed a reaction video. I wish it, it's one of those. It, it was one of those few times because I I watch this on my computer, right? So I don't get the full cinematic mm-hmm. view of it. But like watching that on the big screen and um, being able to kind of take that in, like I it must have been so. I, it, that's that's a scene that I would love to see on the big screen. Yeah, is, yeah. You know him in his little cockpit. He's like seeing this because I was thinking about this from a High Republic standpoint. Because in the High Republic, one of the books that I read that you didn't, they're introducing like these force visions and how there's certain Jedi who have this, um, they start having visions while they're in hyperspace. That's awesome. Like, That's a very cool and I, idea. And I was like, oh, are they giving him another force power that they introduced? Like, in, in, in a storyboard room like a year or two ago. <laughs> and I'm like, no, they're, you know, they're just, he, he happens to be up um, and he's got nothing better to do and he's watching these Purgle and the scope of them, I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be cool. It's definitely. I'm very excited for the potential of fully seeing a Purgle in live action. I worry that it'll look like, a little too CGI and maybe a little lame, but there's really an opportunity for that to be like very striking and, and profound seeing those creatures in, in live action and at their full scope. Well, also it's, it's good that the most ridiculous part of the Purgles they did in animation where they're, you know, transporting a cruiser um, away mm-hmm. and in hyperspace how the hell is Ezra going to survive? But it is nice that they're, you know, starting this because you really have to get the Purgles down right because it's such a big component of what the Ahsoka show is going to be um, to get, you know, presumably it's a good point about getting, finding Ezra. Because you and I have had years to, to like, I don't, I don't miss a beat at the Purgle anymore. Like I'm fine with that. It's like an organic thing that can travel through hyperspace and that's fine with me. I've had the time to sit with it and like, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's cool. It's star Wars. That's believable. But 
I imagine, I mean, I think the fandom was maybe a little like, what the heck? Flying whales go through hyperspace at first. And then they were used, you know, in interesting ways and, and people came around. So I'm curious once the like Ahsoka and these shows start coming out, you know, there's a whole other wider part of the phantom that's going to be introduced to that concept for the first time. And I'm curious how that will go. Well, now that you say that, I'm I'm thinking how many of these Mando only fans are going to be like, oh man, now they're going to kill a space whale. it's a monster it has to die (laughs) that's the rule (laughs) that's how the show works monster have have to kill have to have to kill well here's here's um the other the other hint at ahsoka um is there's at least what two scenes where jinjimanji shows like some mandalorian like um what was like a relic from Mandalore to prove mm-hmm. that Mandalore exists. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like a uh, fossilized glass, right? Yeah. Crystallized something or other with some font on it. Now, is that weapon, the one that boat, um, the one that Sabine makes and she gets to witness the destruction of the machine that she created. Oh, it could be. Right? It could be. I know because, exactly what you're talking about. Because it crystallized yeah. their... No, no, because that burned their armor. That burned out their armor. Okay. It, like, vaporized thinking... the Beskar. Because I was thinking I think. about it for... Like, we saw some of the anguish of Ahsoka in the season two of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we see the pain, we see the, like, hesitancy to train... Grogu, right? Yeah. And what we're gonna see with Sabine coming up, like, I was thinking if if it was a one for one, but even even if it isn't, like, it's gonna really she's gonna get thrown into the Mandalorian world because of the show and all these things. Mm. She's got a lot of guilt on her hands because, like, the last time we saw it, her parents were still alive. She had her brother, right? That was part of the fight. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And, um, and and Bo-Katan, right? Bo-Katan, like, had the saber, was helping, mm-hmm. and uh, all of that is gone. Right. All of that is, you know, as far as Bo-Katan, though, you know, maybe the yeah. family gave up, blah blah blah. But yeah, the purge had not yet happened. Yeah. So there's there's a lot there's a lot of um, emotional baggage. It. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that's gonna be um, it'll, I mean, it'll be interesting how they explain it. Yeah, because I mean you have, I mean Star Wars is a universe with an increasing amount of very, you know, ambitious female leaders who have just unfortunately led very sad like lives. Because I'm trying because all these things you're saying about Sabine to me. Bo-Katan at the end of this episode at the end well, I thought Katie Sackhoff knocked it out of the park but I'm sitting I'm looking thinking back on all the things that Bo-Katan has been through and it's just like wow what a tough <laughs> what a tough go she's had of it you know and, and uh you know Leia is the same thing you think of Hera has been through a lot and Sabine has been through a lot and Ahsoka has been through a lot. I mean you know a lot of people in the Star Wars universe have have been through a lot but 
I think particularly with where we are in the story right now and the characters that are coming to the forefront and upcoming projects, you have a lot of these um, galaxy trotting women who have, you know, fought a good fight and suffered for it. And it'll be interesting to compare and contrast them going forward. Uh, do you, I, I have nothing huge to get into before we wrap up. Did you have anything you wanted to touch on before I do like a closing thing? Well, so the next chapter, which has not been released um, of Mandalorian 18. is, is um, speaking of the Joseph Shirley of it all. Um, the next director is so. This is a Rick Famuyiwa episode. Yep, yep, yep. yep. And um, no, no criticism to him. Like it was good. No, um, yeah, I didn't have you know, the right, direction like, was there for sure. Yeah, um, I. It's it's more of like I. It, this episode is what it is. It's like it's a state. It's the state of the episode. Yeah, you your monsters. You it is not the season two premiere. Yeah, but um. Next week's episode is directed by Rachel Morrison, um, first-time director for Mandalorian. Okay. And she is, it looks like she's basically an apprentice or is similar in the vein of Joseph Shirley because she was, she was, uh, she worked with Rick Fumio on, on Dope, which is, was his oh, cool. claim to fame. Okay. And then she worked with Ryan Coogler on Black Panther. Was, is she a second AD? Or is, um, she, is she a uh, second unit director? in those or yeah i would assume yeah Yeah. but she's this is this is her directorial debut um yes but rick from iwa he wrote he wrote next week's episode and then she's the one that's directing it but it seems like this episode was it fabric um uh, i assume since it's the premiere but yeah favreau favreau yeah and the next week sorry next week's episode was not written by fami iwa Favreau wrote 17 and 18. Okay. She's just the one directing it. And then she's a, a uh, not an apostate, but um, she's she's part of the the Mandalorian director cult now. Yeah, there you go. They all have cool jackets that they wear. And I, I, say, I only say cult because they have to heap praise on a guy who, uh, <laughs> who does not need it. Um, okay. I don't think we get cut off at an hour. We've proven that wrong. But in the interest of wrapping up for the next couple of weeks, this is Pedro Boys versus Echo Boys. Every week, Mandalorian and Bad Batch. So here are two things I want to posit to you. Okay. Pedro Boy v. Echo Boys. Mandalorian v. That versus Bad Batch. Who, who won out this week? And second, MVP. Who's the MVP this week? And I'm going to, I just sprung this on you. To me, I like the episode of Bad Batch more. I'm giving Bad Batch the win this week. MVP, though, I think Katie Sackhoff. I think Bo Katan. I think her scene at the end of the, like I was touching on earlier, her scene at the end of the premiere, particularly granted, you know, we know a lot more about Bo Katan from watching Clone Wars and Rebels. So there's a lot of history for us with that character that might not necessarily be there for someone who's just watching Mandalorian, but her, she just, Kate Zag's performance, she just brings this sense right now. I mean, hopefully she'll bounce back of defeat where you just really feel for her as someone who's spent her life fighting for her people. And then basically her people were like, we don't want your help. And she, you, you feel the weight of that 
with her sitting on that throne. It was, it was very cool. It was very cool. So she's she does she's so much for me this week. She does. She does so much exposition in such a little bit amount of time. And very organically, I might add. Her, yeah. When she delivers those that exposition, it, it doesn't feel like I'm being taught. You know, it, it feels like it's coming from the character. Now, I have I have heard this on like one Star Wars podcast I listened to. Um, You're listening to our competitors. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> I gotta see gotta see how we can improve and then go in the opposite direction. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> um, is it a trap? Like, is is this something that she is throwing him into? Like, when she's like, the mine is under the civic center, so that oh. she can, so that she can, you know, uh, come up on him, take him out, and then take the take That's the saber. Interesting, just... because to me, what I'm wondering is, is this whole freaking thing a setup? And the whole go and bathe in the weird little bathtub in the basement thing is just. Like John Wick style again, John Wick, an impossible task that is not supposed to ever actually be achieved. Like it's more um, just like if you take your helmet off, you're out. Okay, we'll do this one little asterisk so that it doesn't seem quite as harsh, but you're never actually going to be able to do this. Like it may as well say, like, learn to fly on a broom or whatever. It's just supposed to be something you cannot actually do. Yeah, I um, I mean, they're cold. It just they suck so much. That they need him. Like we know as viewers that like they were trying to fight an armored crocodile with blasters. Yeah. <laughs> like not one of them thought, hey, maybe we should use our rocket launchers on our backs, which um. Well, they're precious, even... precious resource. They are precious Better resource. Better to eat him. But you are you are getting away from the point. Who won? Who's the MVP? So what happens if we tie? Oh, it doesn't matter. Okay. I'm going to say Mando um, just because there is there are more scenes that I, I found to be gripping, like the asteroid belt stuff mm-hmm. and um, the just saving the dumb cult. Like, certainly killing the crocodile monster, not a huge fan of, but um, just like great, great lines. And then I, I, um, I'm going to give it to Mando. I just his, – his walking through the world – just him, you know, teaching Grogu and being like, this is what this means. This is what mi- this means. Um, when Grogu's 53, so obviously he knows, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, these different parts. I, 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 um, I'm hesitant to give it to him because, like, you know, I, I'm sure he's going to be at multiple, multiple times. But um, let, let's go with Katie Sackoff for the Po' Boy of the Week. I, I'll agree with that. MVP, MVP. Bogotan um, MVP. Yeah. Um, all right. The Po Boy of the Week slash MVP. It's a face off. It's a competition. You know, MVP. MVP. Well, I'm definitely going to tag her. So. Great. Right. Great. All, <laughs> next time I meet her at Star Wars Celebration, I'll let her know <laughs> that she was MVP for Pedro Boys v. Echo Boys um, Requiem. Which is this week's yeah. title? You're gonna have to text me that. Oh, I already um, have it. I the only planning I did for this week was figuring out the title, and eventually I was like, no, it'll actually be better if it's so long and stupid, and it's it's a doozy. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Like, oh, you're upset about the title? You're not listening anyway. Shut up, fan. Kick yeah. rocks, fans. Yeah, kick rocks. 
Kick rocks. Kick Pull rocks. Podcast at gmail. Pull podcast at gmail.com. Kick rocks at gmail.com. <laughs>